Hello and welcome to Radio IAGP. My name is Implausibly Josh and thank you so much for listening. This is episode 27, I believe. I checked earlier today and I'm not checking again. So it's whatever it says in your podcatcher, not what I'm saying right now. Before we get into the questions, I'll talk a little bit about a video game I'm playing called No Man's Sky. It's pretty good now. Uh, I never thought that the game was bad, just that it wasn't necessarily what the game was advertised as and what I thought it was going to be. I still don't think it's quite there yet, or I don't think that it's what the advertisements led me to believe still. However, I think that what No Man's Sky has become has become very fun. I was inspired to play by some mutuals on Twitter, and I redownloaded it on my PS4, started a new save so I could experience all the new things and how much has changed in the, I want to say, like, year or so that I have played last? Something like that. I can't remember what the date was of my most recent save before the newest save I made, but it had been a while, that's for sure. And it's been really fun. You know, exploring is super cool. Base building is really nice because it means that it feels like you're putting down roots somewhere, you know? You can always go back to a place that has all your cool stuff or has your cool base where you can park your spaceship. I mean, your spaceship comes with you no matter where you're transport to, but, you know, the fact that you can transport to a base however many star systems away and always come back to that place I think is really cool. And you can always, like, decommission your base if you find that you don't really ever want to come back to it, which I have a feeling might happen sooner rather than later with my current place, but it's still really fun, and I'm having a blast exploring things. I'm a little bit interested in getting a keyboard for my ps4 now so that i can start naming planets and things of that nature or at least my bases you know but until then everything is keeping whatever the auto generator has come up with for places and people and things so it's a fun game to kind of get lost in you know and that'll do it uh let's get into questions If you have questions, you can send them in to radioiagp at gmail.com. You can also go to bit.ly slash radioiagp. That is a capital R, capital I-A-G-P. Our first email this week comes from Brian, who says, Yo, what's up? It's the inevitable Brian. Settle an argument for me. Temtem announced today that they're releasing a new update tomorrow called Kisiawa. Kisiwa, Kisiwa Island, there we go. It's a new area in the game with new Thames, new techniques, new bits of story, new traits, new items, in-game chat which pops up and bubbles above your head, clubs slash guilds, setting up future content releases, emotes, remappable keys, and an increase to the level cap allowing starting Thames to get their third evolution. The developers also announced that this patch, with this pat big patch, excuse me, the base price for the game is increasing from $35 to $37.50. From what I can tell, this increase in price is only for new purchasers of the game, with no added cost for previous purchasers of, purchasers of the game. My question is this, do you think it's good slash fair for the devs to increase the price of their game like this, rather than keeping the base game the same? and increasing other ways to recoup costs down the line. Season pass, expansion packs, etc. Thanks. Thank you, Brian. That's a really in-depth question. Um, I think that in a situation like this, 
it's totally fine to increase the the price. I I see nothing wrong with it. You know, if something has changed fundamentally and you want to make sure that there is not a fractured user base, right? Like this is all content getting added to the base game, not an expansion. And it seems like the things that are happening in this Temtem expansion are things that would fracture user base in a way that if you did not have Kisiwa Island content, the level upgrades, the bits of story, the quests and the guilds, you would just be cut off from that stuff. So you need to have everyone at the same page. And if you think that it makes your game costs more because of that, go for it. Now, me personally, I'm not super into Temtem, so I wouldn't pay $30 for the game, let alone $35, let alone $37.50. However, I think if this is a game that the developers think, hey, all this added content is not only good, but it's necessary for this to be the base game, you might as well, you know? Because it sounds like this has basically been a expansion pass that has been made into base game content and if it's expansion pass levels you might as well charge more because the labor involved in making it everything that you get in a base game set is now worth that much more because you have all this extra content now the argument could be made that this is stuff that should have been there from the beginning which i think is fair you know i'm third evolution makes it sounds like there's four stages of a temtem which is a lot, but if you're trying to be better than Pokemon, you gotta add more things than Pokemon, so that makes sense. But like quests and guilds and remappable keys, increases the level cap should, I think, be a free thing. But if it's new moves and stuff, you don't want to keep that, right? Or you don't want to keep that away from players that are just now getting the game. So for instance, let's say that this was a $2.50 DLC pack for the base game and you just give it give it to excuse me you just give it to people for free who have already paid for the game but you make it a paid for dlc for people who have not yet purchased the game then you're fracturing the user base you know temtem is an online multiplayer game where it's not even like a it's not even really like a an mmo it's not quite like a Call of Duty. Like, that's the thing I'm thinking of is, like, the issues that a game like Battlefield has, right? Where if you either have the base game or all of the DLC maps and stuff, you're fine. You can get into matches one way or the other. If you have bits and pieces here and there from the base game to the full DLC offering... That's where you run into issues where you can't get into certain servers and stuff because you don't have the maps that these other people are playing, so you can't access that content. And you don't want that in your Pokemon game, right? You don't want there to be an error where, oh, well, you you have Temtem the base game. I have Temtem the base game plus Kisiwa Island. You know, oh, we can't actually play because I have a Pokemon, or I have a Temtem, excuse me. I have a Temtem from the DLC, and you don't have the DLC, so you can't even look at it, right? Or, oh, your level cap is much higher, so I can't even play with people who have just the base game. You know, like, there's a lot of problems there, so... I think the bigger argument is, should this have been base game content? I don't know what extra story things have been added, because I haven't really played Temtem in a while. I don't know how 
essential the level cap is. I don't know how essential those new techniques and moves are, but I would imagine that it's pretty essential. Like, if you were completely gated off from certain moves in Pokemon that were behind DLC of some sort, and you couldn't even look at that content or have it be traded to you or interact with that content in any way, that would be upsetting, right? Like, the thing that's nice that I find nice about the Sword and Shield DLC is that you, no matter what, would have access to those Pokemon. You can always trade for them. If a friend has doubles, you can always get some back. There are ways for you to get every Pokemon in those DLC packs on a base game and still enjoy those Pokemon. And what you're getting and what you're paying for is easier access to those Pokemon and story content and a whole new region or portion of a region and a whole new set of Pokemon to interact with in dens, new items, things like that. But that's not remappable buttons. That's not core gameplay elements. It's gameplay pieces. It's almost like an expansion set for Magic the Gathering, right? Like you don't necessarily need every piece of, let's say, core 2021, right? You don't need every card from that set. So you don't necessarily need to go out and buy a booster pack or a booster box even. You could just go buy the single cards you might want from that selection of things selection of cards and i think it's the same thing here where or at least in pokemon it's the same thing i think in temtem it sounds a lot more core to the gameplay and a lot more core to the experience of playing temtem that it makes sense that this would need to be base game upgrades and then you know if they truly think that it's worth the 250 extra per base game purchase whatever that's up to them they'll figure it out if it ends up working for them or not I think a lot of this stuff sounds like some things that should have been there from the beginning, but what can what can I do? What can I say? You know, again, it's coming from someone who hasn't played that game since launch, I think, maybe a little bit before with the early access stuff. But if you're how many months out from, I'm assuming that the official release, like Temtem's out, out. It's not early access, I don't think, anymore. But if you're this far out and you're just now getting remappable keys and one of many things in a list of, of a 250 increase. I don't know, man. Seems the the principle of increasing the base price doesn't upset me in any way. It's that it sounds like the list of things were things that should have been in the game from the start, and they're not. That sounds like a, hey, pay $20 for this kind of busted early access thing. And then once we officially release the game, we're going to charge a little bit extra because, well... Now it's like a fully polished, complete package. Incremental incremental increases in price are fine. It's just what are you actually providing for the customer that makes the value proposition weird, you know? I think that answers your question. I'm not 100% sure, to be honest. I'm a little rambly, it seems. Let's move on to our next email from Anonymous in New Mexico who says, Dear Radio IAGP, you've mentioned having a BitBoy and other bootleg or emulation handhelds. What would be your ideal emulator handheld? Any features you'd want specifically? Thanks, Anonymous in New Mexico. Thank you, Anonymous. This kind of goes into another question, which I'll also read now. And this isn't said from anyone. Um, They didn't give me their name in the email body, so I'm not going to read what their email was or their email name. Anyways, Have you seen the Analog Pocket? Pre-orders are going up for it soon, and it seems nice, but a luxury item. Considering the current state of the world doesn't seem like a good purchase, what do you think? Is there anything exciting about the Analog Pocket? 
I'll roll these two into one. Um, I don't think the analog pocket is something I'm looking for in an emulation thing, you know? As far as I can tell, you need to run games off of the actual hardware. And while I have actual hardware for Game Boy, Game Boy Color, and Game Boy Advance games, or actual hardware being like actual carts, let me make sure I'm clear about that. So I think I've said before on the podcast that I have a small collection of Pokemon games. I have English and Japanese copies of pretty much every Game Boy and Game Boy Color Pokemon game. And you know I've dumped them to make content for implausibly average and i you know i have that stuff that's that's not the big deal the big deal is is i like playing with homebrews that use those games as the base game and i don't have an easy way or a non-trivial way to well i don't have a trivial way to put those homebrews and hacks and things of that nature onto the onto something approximating original hardware right like i don't have a Game Boy Flash cart. They seem to be pretty expensive the last time I checked, but admittedly it's been a while. So having something that is a device that can read an SD card so I can dump a copy of Pokemon Crystal, throw it into the Universal Pokemon Randomizer, put it back onto an SD card, and then put that onto an emulation device of some sort, that's the ideal. You know, the only time I would want, like, I think the other thing too is like I have a Game Boy Advance. I have a Game Boy Advance with a built-in backlit screen. So everything looks really nice on there. It's really nice and bright. It takes rechargeable batteries. Like my ideal way to play my physical carts are my modded Game Boy Advance. So the only reason why I want an emulation or bootleg Game Boy-ish device is so that I can take the homebrew games and those hacks and those things of that nature and take them on the go. Like, I had a a 3DS or DS flash cart for a while, and I had it to play Pokemon hacks. I think I had, like, a randomized version of Pokemon Soul Silver or Heart Gold or one of the two, because I have both. So I randomized ROM, popped it on there if I wanted something a little different than the normal challenge of Pokemon Heart Gold and Pokemon Soul Silver. So it's really about taking taking the physical carts out of it and putting all that stuff onto a SD card of some sort. That's the appeal of those things to me because you can do more that way. Like if my BitBoy was working and I could play Super Nintendo games, I could play those randomizers of A Link to the Past or something, which would be really fun and super cool to do, but my BitBoy doesn't work, so I can't really do that. But that's the idea, is it shouldn't just be a replacement for old hardware. It should be something... It shouldn't just be a one-to-one replacement. I'll put it that way, right? The analog pocket, all it does is it seems to replace my modded Game Boy Advance with a different device that does the same things outside of the music-making stuff, which is nonsense and I don't need it. The BitBoy, however, can do more, can play more games than a Game Boy Advance because it has other emulators on there. Like, it has a Super Nintendo emulator. It has a... Nintendo emulator. It has all these other things on there that are cool and make it a little bit more versatile than just a modded Game Boy Advance. So it fills that secondary pocket of it can play these games that I can play on my Game Boy Advance, but I can also play other games and hacked games and modded games and so on and so on. So ideally, 
any of those games should be something that feels good in the hands. I think the Game Boy Advance feels so much better than a Game Boy or a Game Boy SP. Like, I have a Game Boy Color, and it just doesn't feel good in my hands after too long. Game Boy Advance, on the other hand, feels fantastic basically for as long as I'm playing it. So having the actual device itself feel great in my hands is a must. And then having an SD card slot, having a really easy way to update anything that needs to be updated software-wise on the device, some nice buttons, and a backlit screen, and I'm solid. Like, that's really all I need. And there's a handful of devices that kind of sort of fit that mold, but I'd also like it to not cost like $150. Like, $100 max is what I'm willing to pay for something like that, because I could also just use my my PC or my laptop to play more on the go, you know? And I don't think a bootleg Game Boy emulator thing is worth a third of my busted bad laptop, you know? Anyways, I think I have rambled for long enough, so that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. I truly appreciate it. If you have questions, you can send them into radioiagp at gmail.com, or you can send them into bits.ly slash radioiagp. That is a capital R, capital I-A-G-P. Uh, this week on our YouTube channel, we have two more episodes of Loser's Bracket going up. Jumpstart, uh, I think it's six and seven, I want to say. I don't remember off the top of my head. I don't have my notes handy in a way that's not going to make a ton of racket moving papers around. And that's it. Uh, I hope you liked this episode. I hope you listen next time. Thank you so much for listening this time. And I'll see y'all next time, I guess. That's a lot of times I said next time, huh? I'll figure out a better way to end these podcasts. Thank you for listening. Later. Damn, son, where'd you find this?